Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. I want to welcome you to week three of our sermon series on the king, the rise and fall of King Solomon. Uh, Solomon was one of the great characters of the Old Testament, really one of the great characters uh, in all of history. In week one, uh, Pastor Ryland introduced us to the untested king. Uh, Solomon's father, King David, uh, introduced Solomon to the nation, and he said, this is my son, he's inexperienced, he's green, he's naive, he doesn't know anything, he's soft. But he still wanted the nation to give him a shot, give him a chance at being the king. Uh, Last week, we looked at how the untested king became the wise king. Uh, As a young king, uh, Solomon asked God to give him wisdom to lead the nation. And God granted his request uh, for wisdom and uh, blessed him with remarkable wisdom and really every other blessing as well. Uh, Over the years, in the early years of his uh, kingdom, Solomon built uh, the temple uh, for uh, the God Almighty, and he ruled and reigned effectively for many years, built an extraordinary kingdom, and lived an extraordinary life. But, (laughs) there's always a but, Uh, you know, unfortunately Solomon's story is one of those classic rise and fall stories, and just as uh, his rise was meteoric in his youth, uh, his fall was meteoric uh, in his old age. Uh, In his old age, Solomon did some extremely foolish things that uh, destroyed his legacy. And most of those foolish things happened uh, within his relationships. And so this week, we're going to look at uh, the relational king. Uh, on, uh, on your notes, on your app, on the screens here, we've got our uh, key verse. It's 1 Kings uh, 10, 23, and 24. Read this out loud with me. We'll draw you into the process here too. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. And notice that God had put Solomon's wisdom in his heart. Wisdom is not just a matter of the brain. It's not just a matter of information. Wisdom is a matter of the heart. And as Solomon embraced his relationship with God in his youth, he enjoyed the benefits of God's wisdom. Now, in his later years, Solomon's heart turned away from God, and he foolishly began to worship other false gods. And, and that didn't work out well for Solomon. Uh, you know, in his early years, uh, Solomon accomplished the main task that God had given him to do, which was to build uh, the temple in Jerusalem. And Solomon accomplished that. He accomplished the great feats of his meteoric rise through his relationships. And he lost it all because of his relationships. Because the relationships you maintain will determine the legacy you retain. The relationships you maintain will determine the legacy you retain. The people that you surround yourself with are shaping your life. 
The quality of your life will be determined by your five closest friends. Your relationships, your finances, your marriage, your parenting, your spirituality, it's all determined by your five closest friends. Uh, there were five close friends who were in college together. And they were approaching a very difficult final exam in one of their classes. They'd done well in the class through the semester, and they thought the final would not be a problem for them. So rather than study all over the weekend, they decided to party all weekend. And in fact, they partied so hardy that when Monday morning rolled around, they overslept and all five missed the final. So they came up with a plan, a story to tell their professor uh, with the hope that he would let them take the final on Tuesday morning. And they told him that they had actually spent the weekend in a neighboring town doing work projects for the residents in a retirement center. Okay? And on Monday morning, when they were coming back to town for the final, they had a flat tire, and that's why they didn't make it to the final. And so they would they please let them take it uh, the next day. And the professor bought their story, said, sure, you can come Tuesday morning. So they show up for the test on Tuesday morning, and the professor said, I, I want you to take the test in separate rooms. So they each one sat down in their own room. They quickly, all five of them, quickly answered the first question on the first page of the test. It was worth five points, and it was a breeze, and they thought, our plan has worked, we are home free. And then they turned the test over, and the only other question on the test, worth 95 points, was which tire went flat on the car? <laughs> your relationships determine your destiny. Okay? And in Solomon's life, uh, there was one relationship that really accelerated his life as a young, untested king and helped him become the man, become the king that God wanted him to be. But there were also relationships that Solomon had in his later years that ended up destroying his kingdom and ruining his legacy. So today I want to look at the right relationships and the wrong relationships. The right relationship that Solomon had was actually a relationship that was started by his father David. Uh, pick up the story, 2 Samuel 5, it says, Then King Hiram of Tyre, that's, that's the nation immediately north of Israel. King Hiram of Tyre sent messengers to David along with cedar timber and carpenters and stonemasons and they built David a palace. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and it blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. Circle that word, realized. David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel. When David was a young king, taken over the kingdom from King Saul, it, it was a very tumultuous transition of power from David, uh, King Saul to, to King David. And so David took the throne a little insecure about his leadership. He was unsure whether or not the people looked at him as the king. And so God used Hiram, king of Tyre, to confirm to David and to confirm to the people of Israel that David really was the king. And through his relationship with Hiram and the successful completion of this palace building project in the city of Jerusalem, 
David came to realize, to know, to understand that God really did want him to be king. And that the kingdom was more secure, more stable than David had actually realized. So on your notes, on the app, the first thing that your friends should do is they should affirm your calling. Affirm your calling. The people that you surround yourself with should see the greatness that God has placed in your life. Now the reality is, is that the people around us are either pushing us toward our destiny or they're keeping us from it. They're either pushing us forward or holding us back. There's not much middle ground. And as you evaluate your relationships, your friendships, you need to ask yourself, are these people driving me to be better? Are they affirming the call that God has on my life? Are they telling me, yes, you're going to be an amazing husband. Yes, you can be a great dad. You, you were made for greatness. You can be a great mom. You can lead that small group. You can start that company. They're speaking yes to the greatness that God has placed in us. Too many of us have surrounded ourselves with critics who tell us what's wrong with us and tell us the things we can't do and the reasons why we can't do them. But I believe God wants us to surround ourselves with people who are constantly pulling greatness out of us, who are constantly affirming the call that God has placed on your life. In the early days, days of Rockbrook, I was so thankful for the people I had in my life, people who were encouraging me to pursue God's call on my life. I mean, I'd failed as a church planter once before. I tried to plant a church, it just didn't work. I was trying it again. You step out in faith, you try to do something big for God, it's scary. And one of Satan's favorite tools is self-doubt. To get you to doubt whether or not God has really called you. To get you to doubt your ability, doubt your skill, doubt whether you're the one who should be doing it. And to have people in your life who affirm your calling, people who tell you, you know, whatever God's calling you to do, do it. Don't give up because lives will be changed on the other side of your obedience. You need those kind of relationships in your life. And I'll tell you, you can find those relationships in a small group. That's why we are so sold out to small groups here at Rockbrook, because everybody needs somebody in their corner cheering them on. That's why we encourage you to get on a dream team. You need to be part of something bigger than yourself. We are better together. We are a body, a flock, a family, a community. We are an army God doesn't want us to go through life alone. He wants his church to work together to encourage one another, to build each other up. Second thing that good relationships do is they assist your vision. Because once you get God's call on your life, then you get a vision for how it's going to unfold. You know, God, first of all, tells you what he wants you to do, and then he begins to tell you how and when and where and with who. And Solomon had a vision of building the temple, and Hiram is once again going to play a key role in that vision. So Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord and also a royal palace for himself. Solomon also sent this message to King Hiram at Tyre. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when he was building his palace. I'm about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. 
So send me a master craftsman. Also send me cedar, cypress, and red sandalwood logs from Lebanon, for I know that your men are without equal at cutting timber in Lebanon. I will send my men to help them. In payment for your woodcutters, I will send a hundred thousand bushels of crushed wheat, a hundred thousand bushels of barley, a hundred and ten thousand gallons of wine, and a hundred and ten thousand gallons of olive oil. That's a lot of salad dressing. Okay? And just on a side note here, doing something significant costs money. Too often Christians are known for trying to do stuff on the cheap. They're always looking for the cheap way to do stuff. They're always looking for the discount, looking for the freebies. It's like we think God is more interested in saving nickels than he is in saving souls. But you look through scripture and God doesn't do stuff on the cheap. God's not afraid to spend money on the temple. King Hiram sent this letter of reply to Solomon. It is because the Lord loves his people that he has made you their king. How do you suppose that made Solomon feel? I mean, what a word of encouragement. He says, I'm sending you a master craftsman named Hammurabi who is extremely talented. He is skillful at making things from gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and he also works with stone and wood. He can work with purple, blue, and scarlet cloth and fine linen. He is also an engraver and can follow any design given to him. He will work with your craftsmen and those appointed by my Lord David, your father. We will cut whatever timber you need from the Lebanon mountains and will float the logs in rafts down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa. From there, you can transport the logs up to Jerusalem. So Hiram is the guy. Hiram is the guy with all the supplies, with all the expertise. Hiram has the craftsman that Solomon needs to build the temple. And I, I find it fascinating that we call it Solomon's temple. We say that Solomon built the temple when really David had the vision for it. David drew up the blueprints. David raised all the money. Hiram supplied all the timber. Hiram supplied the craftsmen. And Solomon got all the credit. Okay? It's Solomon's temple. Now, here's what I want you to see here. When God gives you a dream, when God gives you a vision, something that he wants you to accomplish with your life, it is always bigger than what you can do on your own. It's always bigger than what you can do on your own. And so you have to look for those strategic relationships that make you bigger and better than you are yourself. How much further could you get in life if you had the right strategic relationships, the relationships that God wants to use to help you accomplish the vision that he's given you? That's what the right relationships do. Third thing they do is they address your shortcomings. It says, it took Solomon 20 years to build the Lord's temple and his own royal palace. At the end of that time, he gave 20 towns in the land of Galilee to King Hiram of Tyre. But when Hiram came from Tyre to see the towns Solomon had given him, he was not at all pleased with them. What kind of towns are these, my brother? He asked. So Hiram called that area Kabul, which means worthless, as it is still known today. Hiram says, Solomon 
you are a bad gift giver. Okay? You know, sometimes we don't see the things that we're bad at. And so you need people in your life who will point out areas where you need improvement. Uh, we all need people who can speak into our life and say, you're not doing this right. You're not treating your wife right. You're not treating your kids right. You're not handling your money right. You're never on time for things. You're not speaking in the right tone to people. You're not making biblical choices. And our response to that is never, thank you for the wonderful insight. You know, our response typically is, that's not true. Oh yeah, you do this and you do that and your feet smell. We get defensive and we lash back. But after the pain fades a little bit, Hopefully, I'm thankful for people who will call me out on my shortcomings. I'm thankful for people who will speak the truth into my life and help me to make it better. Solomon said, the wounds of a friend can be trusted. It's only an enemy that multiplies kisses. You know, your enemy will just kiss up to you and kiss up to you and lie to you, but your friend will tell you the truth. Another thing, your right relationships alter your potential. Your relationships are shaping how much you will be able to accomplish with your life. And I, I truly believe that some of us live well below the lid of what God has for us because we don't have friends who are pushing us to excel. And others of us live far beyond our own capacity because of what our friends help us to accomplish. I and mean, that's certainly true in my life. I, I, I couldn't have done one-tenth of what I've done if it weren't for the people around me. That's what happened with Solomon because of his relationship with Hiram. It says, King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezion Geber, a port near Elath in the land of Edom along the shore of the Red Sea. Hiram sent experienced crews of sailors to sail the ships with Solomon's men. They sailed to Ophir and brought back to Solomon some 16 tons of gold. Now here's what's happening. The, the people of Israel were, were shepherds by nature. I mean, that's the trade, that's the lifestyle that had been passed down to them all the way back to Abraham. And then when God gave them the promised land, they became farmers, they became city dwellers. But they had never in their history sailed before. They were not a seagoing people. There, there was a lid on what they could accomplish. But in this relationship between Solomon and Hiram, Hiram, he was a, a trader by nature. He sailed ships and exchanged goods with foreign countries all over the Mediterranean Sea. Hiram knew how to work trade deals with other countries. And once again, Hiram had the knowledge and the skill. And as a result of his relationship with Hiram, we see Solomon. He's diversifying his portfolio. He's becoming an entrepreneur in a new market. But you don't successfully do that without someone leading the way. It's not like you can just start building ships if you've never sailed before. You don't just get a bunch of people together and say, hey, figure this out. You know, go out there on the ocean and come back with money. It doesn't work that way. You've you, you got to know how to build the ship. You've got to know how to sail the ship. You've got to know how to set the course there and back. You have to know what goods you possess that they're going to want in the other, other country. You have to know who to deal with in that country. You've got to know who's honest and how to get the best price. 
That's what Hiram did for Solomon. Hiram said, let, let me train you, train your sellers, sailors how to do this, this merchant marine sailing venture successfully. And the Bible tells us that these ships returned with 16 tons of gold. In today's money, that's $456 million. Okay, that's a good return on your investment. And the Bible says they did that every three years. That's why in our theme verse it says King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. And so Solomon, because of his relationship with Hiram, is at the pinnacle of success. Things are going great for Solomon. They're going great for Israel. But lurking in the background of Israel's history is a foreboding prophecy that was given in Deuteronomy 31.20. God says, when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their forefathers, and when they eat their fill and thrive, that's what happened in Solomon's day, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. God saw this coming. He saw this coming. Now what is it that would make Solomon and the nation of Israel, in the midst of their success, turn their back on God? And the answer is, their relationships, their relationships. Because the relationships you maintain determine the legacy you retain. The people you surround yourself with will determine your legacy. So the wrong relationships. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, who would be Egyptian, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. Now the, the word therefore loved means to affectionately desire. I mean, it, it's a genuine term of love. It also speaks in a sexual sense. This is a relationship that, that was very passionate. And the first thing we see in wrong relationships is that they creep into your life and they begin to prey on your passion. Now because of the fall... Because all of us are broken by sin, we all have unhealthy desires that we must overcome and contain. We all have unhealthy desires that we have got to bring in line with what God says in his word. And you don't want to surround yourself with people who pull you in the direction of these unhealthy desires. People who pull you into temptation, people who pull you into sin. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have people in your life, they're not helping you win this battle. Instead, you have people in your life who are telling, it's no big deal, everybody does it. Come on out with us. Let's go to these places, let's do these things, let's hang out, it'll be okay. Everybody does it, it's no problem. But the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. It matters who you love. It matters to God. It matters to you. There are consequences to these life choices. Now there's a pattern. There's a pattern when sin comes into our lives. It starts with, I want it. You know, Solomon wanted 
these unbelieving foreign women, even though God told him to stay away from them. And then we move from I want it to, well, I deserve it. Look at all the good things I've done for God. Look at the good I've done for others. I'm a good person. Uh, I deserve this. And then it moves to I can handle it. It's not going to hurt me. Other people might stumble doing this, but I'm strong enough. I can handle it. It won't turn my heart away from God. But Solomon couldn't handle it. He couldn't. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God as his father David had been. You're you're never too old to be immune from Satan's attacks. Satan wants to destroy your faith. He doesn't care how long it takes. He'll do it on your deathbed. But the problem is wrong relationships pull you from your purpose. You know, Solomon's purpose was to build the temple, the first permanent place on the planet where the creator of heaven and earth could be worshipped. Worshiping of God was Solomon's purpose. Now, in his heart and mind, he probably thought that he was fine because he continued to make sacrifices in the temple. He just also offered sacrifices in the other temples of these other gods. But God had told them, do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God doesn't want us worshiping other gods. God doesn't want us pursuing idols. He doesn't want us to share our affection with other things. He doesn't want half-hearted worship. He wants us to worship him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. He doesn't want our affection watered down and polluted with the worship of other gods, of idols, of other things. Yet how many of us come to church and worship God Yet we have other things, other idols, other gods, little g gods in our life. Maybe even good things that are vying for our affection, that are are vying for our love, our worship, our passion. Solomon worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. You know, the wrong relationships pollute your perspective. And the worship of Ashtoreth and Molech was very, very detestable. First, uh, because it involved temple prostitution. You know, these were fertility gods, and so there was just this perverse sexual activity in their worship. And and we see that that this was a problem that Solomon had in his life. I mean, he had a thousand wives and concubines. He's obviously got an issue in this area that he's not dealing with properly. And if you worshipped Molech, you would take your firstborn child and sacrifice it, child sacrifice on the altar, in the belief that Molech would then bless your family with prosperity and give you more children. That's how disgusting this was. That's why God had very specifically told the nation of Israel, do not allow this kind of worship to be practiced in their nation. And not only did Solomon allow it to be practiced, 
But because of his relationship with these pagan women, he's not only participating in it, he's actually building the temples where it takes place. His perspective has shifted. And I wonder, I wonder in the modern day church, how many of us have allowed relationships to come into our lives that are shifting our perspectives away from God's word? We're waking up in a modern day culture where sin is no longer considered sin and the church is condoning things that the Bible clearly calls sin. And that kind of cultural drift, that kind of cultural surrender is costly. It costs Solomon dearly and it'll cost our culture, our churches, our very lives dearly as well. The Lord was very angry with Solomon for his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who'd appeared to him twice. So now the Lord said to him, Since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Solomon's bad relationships cost him his kingdom. It cost him his legacy. Now your relationships, your relationships are going to accelerate your life and help you fulfill your call, your vision, your purpose, your potential. Or your relationships are going to prey on your passions, pull you from your purpose, and pollute your perspective. It's a very significant choice that we have to make. And it's obviously not an easy one because the wisest man who ever lived blew it. Who are you going to allow to have a voice in your life? Let's pray together. God, we just beg you to give us wisdom. We, we all have important life decisions to make, and we just pray that you would help us to choose the right friends. Give us the courage to walk away from the wrong ones. Because, God, we want to serve you. We want to leave a godly legacy. And maybe you're here today and, and, and you've realized that you're living far beneath your potential and it's time to do something about your relationships. Your most important relationship is your relationship with Jesus Christ. God wants your heart. He wants all of it, not half of it or a part of it, all of it. And if, if you're far from God today, he's not mad at you. He won't hold your mistakes against you. He's not trying to get even with you. Jesus Christ came into the world not to condemn you, but to save you. And so would you just pray this simple prayer? Just say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Forgive me of all my mistakes, all my sin. Forgive me for not giving you my whole heart. And today I invite you to come into my life and give me a right relationship with you so that I might have a right relationship with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.